0: Hi, I'm Richie Mackay. And I'm David Bolt, and you are listening to the Wrong Buyers Podcast. And on today's show, it is a continuation of a conversation that we had with Alex Marshall MBE and David Corkhill following our dedicated podcast for David Bryant. a lot more chat what we did was we split the two podcasts today's podcast is just a continuation of a few topics that we covered so there's some interesting stuff that we covered there and we also have another competition where you'll be playing for an Amazon dot and some wrong bias merchandise
1: Mate, here we are again. Our pod, like the old bus service, one comes along and another one comes along a week later. Show 23.
0: 23, Uh, my birth date.
1: You what? Your birthday? My birthday, 23rd. I thought you said you were 23 year old. I'm going, Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) A few years ago now.
1: Benjamin Button of bloody uh, Siltworth. (laughs) Anyway, our anniversary would be a silver plate,
0: mate. I've got what is the two ball northern counties sitting right next to us here, which once used to be silver, and is currently a nice shade of yellow. <laughs> so I must give that a polish. <laughs> you can't really say the are silver plated, can
1: you? No. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wait till they go up really yellowy and just pretend it's gold, mate.
0: That's right, uh, exactly. Yeah. I would. I've, just, uh, I've just increased the value of it.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: Anyway, our
1: um, previous podcast, The Tribute to David Bryant, is flying off the shelves, mate. The download has been flying. We've cracked 200, we well under a
0: yeah, and again, I, I, as I do I regularly, I listen to it again. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Nice to have a little bit reminisce and listen to the stories from, from David and, and from Alex. So that was, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: Can you an ice cream van? I oh, can, I. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's not many podcasts that get interrupted for 2.99s, a flake, hundreds and thousands and a bit monkey's blood. But while the lads delve into the ice cream, here's a little bit music. Howdy, kid, let's get back to it. And, of course, uh, our 23rd show features Mr. Marshall and Mr. Corkill again because they just kept talking to me, didn't they? David. <laughs> David did. Alec,
0: Alec put his feet up. <laughs> We're only joking, David. Somebody made a comment on uh, on Facebook I saw the other day about uh, why once, once David gets going, he can't half talk. But uh, great guest for us. That's obviously the second time we've had David on and it's uh, they enjoy listening to his stories. Uh, I've got to I think
1: it. it shows the passion for the game doesn't it in
0: the the yeah. game that he's got he, 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 uh, he, he regularly says that and he, he really really enjoys sitting and talking the way we do yeah. where it's not structured we're not you know there's nothing there that no whole sort of bar. he can he can see what he he feels and, and he really enjoys talking about the sport and, and like he always says all we are all we want is the best
1: and with any good show here is the warm-up act cue boiler gate
2: with a wee bit of a problem with one of our boilers. So what they did was they offered a five-year deal to the first 250 people, and that put a certain amount of thousands in the coffers. And that was brilliant because, you know, if anything happened to it, they had the money to fix it. Yeah. No, nothing happened to it. The money's still there. <laughs> you know. Half those two hundred and fifty have died. <laughs> so their quids in, so they are no matter what, you know, they're waiting for they're waiting for a notice that Courtney's gone to the big place in the sky, that's all. That's the way to do it. You know. You're the five years ahead, guys. No matter what happens, if you pump your clogs, well they've got their money anyway. So well you should have, you've got that much money anyway, you should just get oh. the couple up <laughs> I was
1: half written on that so I was to be David if it makes you feel any better it would have cost me 50 quid for five years at my club
2: <laughs> oh, we, we had a we had a great deal and I know what you guys do but I know our front did <laughs>
1: make a note of that quality make a note one for the future
2: <laughs> uh, it's, the only, uh, it's the only way to do it guys get the money before you pop your. Car. <laughs> do you think the funeral care people are so keen on us <laughs> <laughs> we all take out deals 20 years before we know it <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what it is, my David, we're actually making progress because we're not 15 minutes into the show and you're not realising you're talking to me anyway. So that's a <laughs> good that's,
2: that's a usual day from the last night.
0: <laughs> what was it, two hours or something? <laughs> <laughs> is Dave coming along at any point? <laughs> yeah, i just been the last 45 minutes, yeah, don't worry about it.
3: <laughs> you know what, David did say to me that it was going to be ten, fifteen minutes. Then he said, "Cork is going to be on. honest. Says, well, that's going to be another fifteen
0: minutes." <laughs> 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 right then, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to the professional bit. So obviously, <laughs> the
1: lads now turn their attention to COVID nineteen and the effect it has had on indoor clubs.
3: And you know, the the, the worrying thing is, you know, if we go into a second phase. You know, this could actually close a lot of bowling clubs down and uh, it's actually quite scary, but, you know, you've just got to hope there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel and I can't really see much bowling getting done by probably
2: starting maybe March, April next year. The British Isles has been put back, I know that, to October.
3: Yeah, yeah, I heard that, yeah.
2: And you guys will be coming back from Australia,
3: what, Weeks before. You know, that's if it it does happen. I know there's a few clubs that are not opening. Uh, Paul's having to go to another club because Presswick are not opening. So he's having to join another club. But there's a few clubs talking about not even opening. I
0: know, obviously, we've had Andy Napper on the podcast before, and he's got a membership of 800 plus, and they're not opening until the new year. Which is huge. I mean, that's a huge impact on the
3: club. It's a shame. As I say, a lot of clubs might not get through this. You know, they've still got to pay overheads and and other other bills. but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be trying times the next number of months, especially if we do happen to get a second phase.
2: Yeah, Belfast is open, but you know what Belfast is like, guys. You know, it's a big, big club and you can sort of spread it around. There's 13 rinks and you can spread it around, but it's a big club with big bills. So, yeah, you know, luckily for a lot of the
0: clubs in England, uh, especially the indoor clubs, they've managed to get the £20,000 funding from the government or from Sport England, which is a huge thing for them. Well, <coughs> really really tough
2: dude. yeah <laughs> tough, tough for the guys and the suppliers obviously Alex knows more about this than anything else but you know it's very very tough for anybody really and it's um, I, I don't know what we're going to do our leagues don't start properly our league the sort of league I play until November what I've heard is a lot of guys in their 70s a lot of women and men in their 70s which as you know is a high percentage of daily play yeah. are just not going to be there and, and they bring the money in guys you know it's not, it's not the likes mm-hmm. of me and the others who come in and play you know weekends and the odd evening. For competition, it's, it's the guys that turn up during the afternoon, four times a week. Yep, correct, correct. You know, they're they're the ones that bring the bring the money in, and they bring the money in for buying gear and everything else as well. Because you know
0: they're always in the shop. The clubs it's a really really tough one for the clubs because I mean my club is is opening and things seem to be. The leagues are starting next week. I think it's a really tough one because. If you don't open, you're given the perfect excuse for people not to come back. If you do yeah. open, yeah. you're giving yourself a chance of a season happening. But if things go pear shaped, you could potentially lose five or six thousand in that first two or three months yeah. yep. through people not using the facility. So it's a, it's a tough 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 choice for the committees and the management who actually made that decision as to do we take this financial hit potentially or do we leave it until at least january and see if things calm down but for me that period and this indoor period up until january february is going to be absolutely horrendous because people are not going to know the difference between a common flu and coronavirus yeah, yeah. Well, I'm right. not going yeah. to take the chance to go into a bowls club at all.
2: Absolutely, Alex. What's the, what's happening down odds? Because you would be much more aware of what's happening down there. You know, I get some stuff. Obviously, there
3: in- is. There's nothing happening at the moment. Absolutely yeah. nothing. You know, I don't know if you've heard, but the UBC and the BPL they've all been called off. So
2: yeah. nothing's happening in regards to these events until August next year. Right. I Mark keeps me and keeps me informed because I like to promote them. When when we're at tournaments, you know, yeah. and uh, because it is a superb thing they've got going down there, but. I think even their clubs seem to be struggling were just yeah there's the we're, clubs. Yeah, there was a lot of clubs closed uh,
3: especially in uh, the Queensland area all the big clubs Pine Rivers you know Helensvale, they were all closed and they lost a lot of money uh, and during these times there was some clubs getting renovations done getting new surfaces laid so they've outlaid a lot of money you know at that period of time and they've not been getting the you know the money coming through uh, over the bar or through the pokies yeah. so it's been trying times for them but but yeah there's nothing happening over there at all and you <laughs> You know, there may be a seasonal world championships are going to be in uh, September next year, but who knows if it will
2: happen in September? Well, every week we're hearing new stuff, aren't we? You know, it's uh, various places in England that are being closed down virtually. I know we've got one or two areas that are being closed down now. Wales has got a whole county which yeah. is closed down. You know, that's scary. You know, it's uh, Canavon's done that, and I know our club indoors we've got two new two new greens down. Nice and, yeah. and um, also we've done a lot of upgrades as well there's nobody there's 30 people allowed to enjoy it that's not enough for us yeah. Yeah, it really is not in a club the size that we are, are we're 1,200 1,500 people
3: yeah there's no revenue coming in is it no. over the bar or rink fees or anything like that very low very low to be honest with you very yeah. very yeah low it's, low. It's, it's pretty scary you know <laughs> what's going to be lying ahead the next number of months because <laughs> I've never thrown a ball since the last since the last BPL in February I've never yeah I'm hard. Of say in March
2: I'm March Every time. You know, the, the British yeah. Isles was the last time I played a bowl Yeah, with, and then the indoor, I've played a couple of things in I outdoor to help the club a wee bit with regards to paying the membership fees. It's just a
1: load of old balls, and the lads towel, the thorny subject of straight balls.
3: Yeah, there is a lot of people out there who's trying to obviously because of the the trifectas we've had a lot of hassle as we did when they first came out. You know, they were trying to get Bowls England to ban them, and uh, but you know, if everybody, you know, you, you depends on what. We what everybody likes, you know, yeah. it's as simple as that. You know, everybody either likes them or they dislike them. Simple yeah.
0: as that. Definitely, yeah. I've oh, got I mean personally, yeah, I, I kinda of play with them. For the stupid reason of I cannot read them Because I cannot judge As I let go I can, I can let go of a plain ball And know the speed It's come out of my hand I can yep. let go of a trifecta And I, I, I bought a, The red and white sunland set When they first came out And I used them For one league game And they were taking The mickey out of us Saying i anywhere near And I was shouting I've got a clue No idea whatsoever But I've got nothing You know you watch Some of the lads Play with them And no issues With them whatsoever These new rainbow ones Alex are they going to Have a similar effect Or will they blend in A little bit more uh, They'll think?
3: blend in A lot better I've not really seen them going up as yet but they will blend in a lot better darker colours more yeah. so than the the whites and the, you know the are blending really nice yeah they look nice yeah they are cool. but if I had a good uh, response to them you know they're going to be a bit more expensive
0: than the normal speckled ones we've talked about it a lot though Alex at the end of the day they're only expensive in the context of people's opinions within bowls because it's been yeah. too cheap for too long as I keep saying £350 or 400 quid even you can use them for 5-6 years and probably still get 240 quid back for them, it's like, yeah, exactly. You know, really, they're, they're nothing in the context you can pay 500 600 quid just for a golf driver, exactly. That, that's just for one club. Aye, they are probably worse than a car. But walk yeah. into a tour room, you buy a driver, and you would be lucky if you get 30% of the sell on value as soon as you walk out,
3: yeah. And you don't get a 15 year
0: guarantee with them either, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Is it a bit of a detriment to our game that we have so many choices of balls now, do you think, in this era where mm-hmm. you can potentially walk onto a ring and go against what, what I always class as your comfy blanket, which is that set of balls that you know you love and, and know like the back of your hand and potentially choose something to suit the ring rather than going on there and try? I, I just sometimes feel that there's you know, there's so many sets now in, in different models. Back then, tell us if I'm wrong, Ada, like I say, I, I, came, I came in and around the late 80s So, you know, there was still the classic deluxes and things like that around. But the bias, I can't imagine there would have been as many choices of bias as what we have in this era now.
2: Alex Alex would know very well, but as a supplier... You know? Yeah,
3: definitely not. You know, there was a wide, dark bowl in these days, and, and that's all, all they had. You know, and, and as you say, David, there's, you know, nowadays there's so many narrow bowls in the market, and to be fair, it's all in my opinion, but I think the narrow bowls spell the game. You know, I've always played with a wide, dark bowl. I used the, the old Henselites when I was younger, and I moved to Taylor's and I used Taylor Lignite, which was their wider bowl out of the range. And uh, when I went to Aero, I used the, the Groove and the Sonic. I've always preferred a wider, biased bowl because, you know, I play back a lot but even for singles play you know you cannot beat going out coming around all the short balls and coming all the way back to the center and having to fiddle up with six feet sorry six inches of grass to try and find the line and the people who use the short the, the straighter balls that you know you can't come around the shorter stuff you've always got to try and come inside the line but you know it's up to everybody's own opinion on what they want to use but Certainly, I think because they've brought in the straighter balls, it's, it's not ruined the game. But I think they've taken a lot of skill out of the game. Yeah, I think, I, I,
0: a, I think it's had a massive effect on the outdoor rinks as well. And I've said this for a long time. People used to say you used to be able to get right out at the edge of the rinks, and they used to <laughs> team back. We don't even, we don't even use forty percent of our outdoor rinks now because everything's channeling down the oh, four yeah, So that's... you know, from a from a skip or a back end player now, it's a little bit of a nightmare if you get that off centre jack and it sticks out in the corner because you've just got no idea what extra you've got to give it to get through what equivalent of unused grass on an outdoor surface and I I think, I I definitely think it's had a, people complain about the greens aren't as well looked after as them, maybe that is the case but I do think that the the bowls that we use has had a big impact on that as well.
2: I would, because I'm asked quite a lot about what bowls to recommend or what bowls to use, when I'm commentating I always mention various sets and I try and go through as much as possible on the four manufacturers but I've always said that if you're playing back end in particular you need a because like says and you're saying david you just can't get past things you just you just can't the difficulty with that outdoors is that because so many people are using slightly narrow green once you go out under that unused grass sometimes it's two yards heavier and that's yes. hard to remember australia might be slightly different of course because they're using tiff and various other things up queensland but in the indoor you know i say i look at people's bowls and if i see a sonic or a groove from arrow i see an ace or an international tailor uh a slide with a wire bias, an XP or something from Drake's, I know these guys are using bowls that come around bowls. So there's no point in dropping you know, a foot short to stop them getting in because they'll just come around it. And, and really, to be truthful, those are the bowls I recommend to everyone simply because going down, trundling down an indoor surface from 17 seconds with two and a half feet of green to me is just it's just not right but it's nah. consumer driven. Alex has to supply the balls that he's been asked for. You know, <laughs> he, he can't turn around and say you're not getting them because it's ruining yeah. the game. Yeah, exactly. you yeah, I
3: think it has ruined the game. i well, not ruined the game, but it's taken a lot of the skill out. You know, I can.
0: And i think anybody coming into the sport you would get a bigger wow factor about watching a ball coming back from eight feet than you would watching a trail up two foot wide and not doing a great deal which which a lot of the balls do now and, and like i guess people have this argument about straighter balls around the game and you know it's a lot easier to play with straighter balls there's arguments on both sides you've still yeah. got to give it the right line and the right weight with a straighter ball yes it's not going to punish you as much but as you've just said there david with, with a swinging ball if you draw and you draw two foot short and you're in the line of the straight ball, you've taken pretty much a straight ball out of the game. So swings and roundabouts, I just think for the for the aesthetics of the game, I'd far rather see the sport go back to something that has got a minimum bias, which turns, than have it in its current.
2: Well, that's back to World of Bowls, David. They're, they're in control of the master ball, uh, as Alex knows, and they, that master ball dictates. If they increase the bias on the master ball, then everybody has to comply to it. Yeah. So that that's, that's an easy thing to solve by me saying it, but it's not an easy thing to do when you're trying to get all the companies together to agree to it, especially Australia and New Zealand. Now, if you're playing on 2021, 20, certainly seconds at the you know my first experience was 1982 at Maruka, um in the Commonwealth Games instant on 21 second green. Dear God, I thought, I, I honestly thought my ball was just disappearing completely because I was going so wide. You know, I still have those balls. I cannot use them. It's impossible to use them because if you had a straight line ball, you would have won that. As it turned out, Willie would have won that gold medal, as Alex will know, and probably yourself, David, from a historical point of view. Willie hadn't got, he'd got a standard ball, but he was. Managing it very, very well. Yeah. The thing about this, the straight bowl is your margin of error changes quite dramatically. You know, if you're A few inches tight You're going to be A few inches tight Up the other end Maybe six inches tight On the other end If you're a few inches tight With a decent swinging ball You're three feet away By the time it gets up The other end So your margin of error Changes quite dramatically Having said that When was the last time That anybody won A world indoor title Of any sort With straight bowls, Alex I know when I'm just curious If you can remember when Because It'd be in in Shoeback Actually it was after that It was Jason Greenslade If you remember Scotland That year that it was running about seventeen or eighteen, and he used these very very straight balls and person And he went on to the first match, and we thought hey, he hasn't got a hope. But he actually managed to to win it with a very straight. With these, other, other with than these green that, was, was oh his yeah. Green yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Shoeback was the um shoeback. What did he use? The ABT two thousand. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. correct. Yeah. I can't remember last week and I can remember that and, they <laughs> <That's a sugar. laughs>
3: and these bowls that Shoeback used were narrow
2: oh they were just
3: they yeah. were just 2 and, feet but that's when the balls your balls used to be tested prior to your game yep. uh, and, and and everybody says how how these balls passed the test nobody know well, nobody wow. knew
2: yeah I'm not going there but I didn't yeah. see the I test don't think we should I don't go there no. No, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly can't remember those balls ever being able to pass a test because we were, at Preston in those days, even the greens a bit heavier, we were three, four feet outside that line all the time, you know. And you go to Potter's and maybe it's 18 seconds, 17 seconds, but it's still wide. You know, you still have to throw the ball out. TV actually doesn't help there for of a wee bit. But see when you watch the guys playing um, behind the country position, they're going out that six, seven, eight feet yeah. and they're just drifting back, you know. And it's lovely to see, it really is.
1: The end of an era and figureheads are next on the agenda.
2: When I started
1: bowling, if, if you asked us uh, to name a bowler from Wales, Scotland, Ireland and England, it would be probably John Price, Willie Wood, yourself David and Brian and Alcott. Now, Scotland have Alec and Paul at the minute. Do the other three countries, are they lacking in a figurehead type
2: bowler now? Um, it's, it's, in some ways I suppose it's awkward for Alex to answer that because he, he is a figurehead. Well, it, yeah. <laughs> You know, he's a talisman yeah. in many ways for, uh, for Scottish Bulls. But if I could maybe start with Alex first, if you look at Scotland and you look at the quality that's there with the Darren Burnetts and Stuart Andersons and the Alex and the the Pauls and and, and Ian McLean's and various others that are out there. I feel sorry for the guys that are just outside that because there's another pack of five, six plus players that would be on any of the other countries' first teams for all the championships. I have no doubt about that. Stuart Anderson's a a very good example. And uh, because... Scotland is so successful; they can't get a break in. And that happened back in my day with England. England were so successful for many years at the very top level. Some of the other players just didn't get a chance, like Sir David Ward and people like that. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember David Ward, yeah. but he was a class. He really was fantastic English skip, really good singles player, but he never got a shout at the really big events. And and Wales had. Stephen Rees, Robert Wheel, uh, John Price, you know, and and in more modern days they've had an opening up a bit. Myself, Jim Baker, Sammy Allen, Stanley Espy, people like that in Ireland was in in some respects the same thing. But uh, being in Scotland at the moment is a bit like whenever I was playing at that level in the the 80s in particular, um, the way England was. And Alex, I don't know, it's up to you now, it, but you know, dear God, there's so many players like Colin Walker and people like that that are just, you guys need to give up to give the guys a chance. <laughs> you know, you really do. Because unless yeah. they think of themselves, I'm going to go through my career here without getting a trip anywhere because these guys keep winning. Yeah, I, I totally
3: understand where you're, where you're coming from, David, because, you know, as you say, we have been successful last uh, World Bowls, last Commonwealth Games, and and you know, it's hard for David Goorley. David Goodley who's our head coach, you know, he's. He's the man that's got to make all the decisions. But you know, how can you change a team? You know, as David said, there's a lot of guys knocking on the door. Sure Anderson, I think, is a he's won the world singles twice in the last five years. I think he's an absolute tremendous player. But he's been one of one of the lucky ones because we've been so successful. Ian McLean is another one who I think is an absolute world class player. But. Just cannot get. Him. But you know, Ronnie Duncan came in a couple of years ago and won two gold medals at the Commonwealth Games. And you know, of course, he's got to be picked for the, the you know the World Championships because if he doesn't get picked, people people are going to say he won two two gold medals at the Commonwealth Games. How can he not get a game in the in the World Bowls team? So that's how it, Colin Walker as well. You know, we've got an abundance of talent coming through coming through Scotland. But yeah, David right until uh, maybe one or one or two of us retire, uh, they might get they might get a chance. But you know, it keeps people on keeps people on their toes. You know. Yeah, they've got to keep fighting, got to keep winning, you know, championships to, to you know, to keep their you know, their face in the picture. But as soon as Scotland fail, I'm
2: sure there'll be two or three of them will get a an opportunity <laughs> yeah it, it puts the um it puts the pressure on for every tournament the trouble is that every tournament you're winning so <laughs> from that perspective it's it's not a big problem for David Gurley in my opinion I think David Gurley's got the easiest job in the world because he's able to pick the guys that win he doesn't have yeah, to change the team and I've said yeah. this to him and he just smiles at me you know <laughs> but I said look you know, if you're bringing back a hat full of medals and you change the team you'll be criticized all the way back to Spain and back again I said no you have you can't do that. Yeah. You have to be in a position where you're saying, look guys, you know, we can't change this. You know, um the Commonwealth Games was just monumental for you guys. It really was. You just can't do that. As you say, Ronnie goes in, wins two gold medals. All the other leads in the Scottish team are probably thinking, well that's that packed in for a while. Yeah, but it was you- Derek Oliver's first it was it was Derek's first opportunity as well. And he also got
3: two goals and you know to go over there, you know, as a team and to be as successful as we were on on, on the Greens at Australia you know I think the lodges were kind of uh, a bit taken aback because they would expect to dominate on on their own surfaces but you know we prepared ourselves right we went over there a few times had lots of practice on the Greens so but you know, with the experience that, that, that we've all got, you know, we, we can go from 10, 12, 13 seconds on to 19, 20 second greens because we play a lot indoors. So, so yeah, it's been, you know, we've got great harmony, you know, within the team. Everybody gets on well
2: with each other, which is uh, which is what you need as well. Derek uh, came into the team and he was absolutely outstanding. He was awesome. Awesome. You know, he, he, we were coming back, guys. We were coming back into the commentary uh, after we'd done the commentary. We got back into our you know, into our own area, broadcast camping beside the green and, and Derek was one of the people that was being talked about because we were sort of highlighting the players that, that really were outstanding because a lot of people didn't know about Derek down there. And and, and some, but he's been around forever and he's been an international skip. You guys don't walk out there with young players that haven't done things. You don't yeah. experiment with young players thinking, well we'll give him a go. Well, the answer is no. If you add up all the international caps of your five-man team that were out there, dear heavens, I don't know what it would amount to, but it has to be close to, what, 250, you know, whenever you look at it. When you add them all up, possibly even more than that between the five of you. Yeah, it could possibly be more, yeah. Yeah. We've had that era of David Bryan, which, which we're talking about and how great it was. And I was very lucky to travel the world with him on occasion and play against him many, many times. But Foster Marshall era, when you look at the world titles and everything else, where's the next era going to be? You know, are we going to have a next era of bowls? Are, is the next sort of... 20 years to 25 years going to have another year? Because Alice can't go on forever, you know, and, and, and Fuzzy can't go on forever. And you take Nicky Brett, like he's, you know, Nicky's not 25. So, you know, you, you have to look at these players and David Gurley and various others, You've had the next era, which in terms of indoors certainly been the yep. you know, next five years, Alex, probably realistic. It's probably gonna be the end of that sort of area, next five years, maybe even more.
3: Yeah, I don't think I'll go on any longer than that. I think, you know, I'm fifty three now, so you know, saying that I'm still I'm still very competitive and still still hungry for success and you know, until I lose that, you know, I'll still trying to compete at the at the highest level. But yeah, the names that you mentioned, I think, yeah, I'm Five, maybe six years But you know You just don't know What lies ahead Three, four, five, six years But uh, but yeah I'll, I'll keep going as, as long as I can But you've got You know Out the top 16 At the minute You know You've got Stuart Anderson You know There's still Darren Burnett Who's maybe Darren's what 37, 38 But yeah There's not too many In the top 16 oh, 30 and below So yeah You wonder where the
2: people Are going to come from well, uh, That's it. That, That's what I'm looking at Alex Who, yeah. Who's Who's this, the guys That are snipping at you And fuzzy and and all the others indoors and outdoors, and you're thinking, where are they? There's a yeah. few. Don't get me wrong, but there's not many because the pressure is on not only to, to at the professional level, but also in the other side of Commonwealth Games and World Championships. They put out teams that will bring back medals for funding, and if you don't bring back medals, you don't get the funding. So they're not going to they're not going to take chances on on yeah. the younger players there. So I'm That's sort right. of you know, yeah. I have concerns about. Where that next year is going to be, um, I, I'm not sure if it's even going to happen. I really, I honestly don't know. I really don't know because whilst we have got decent coverage on occasions, it is being lost for a variety of reasons, and this year has been a nightmare for it. But that applies to every sport. But um, will it bounce back and will it recover? I, I honestly, I'm not sure if it will.
3: It's going to be, it's going to be very hard, you know, going the next couple of years because, as I said at the start, you know, there's going to be a lot of clubs that are going to be closing. Uh, and just you know, keep our fingers crossed that we can get you know through this and, and start to, to build up again and get uh, try to get a bit stronger
2: again and try and get back to where we were before. Kind of the times, that's all, nothing more. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting concerned, boys, because I'm actually agreeing with Alex here an awful lot, and that worries me a little bit, you know. <laughs> well, it's me too. I mean, you be you're probably more concerned, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think. I think underneath it all, we can respect what David Brand has done for the sport. And we can also respect about how the game has progressed and moved on and getting to where Alex is in particular now uh, and has been for the last 20 years. So as long as we have that respect, and that will for the sport to develop and at least at least keep going, then it will be in there in some form or other. We can only hope that we we're, we're, we sort of continue enough to enjoy it and that we have that next. I'd love to see a third era. Let's put it that way. The David Brand era, the Marshall Foster era, in particular for the indoor, Alex for the indoor and outdoor, um, Paul obviously outdoor with Commonwealth Games and stuff, but I'd love to see another era as well where we get you know, the Stuart Anderson type era. Coming through, and I would love to see that. I really would because I think it would be great for the sport. Yeah,
0: totally agree. Absolutely. It should be don't
2: no agree, Alex, don't agree No, I do, <laughs> I do agree.
3: No, I do agree because, you know, as I say, you know, there is, you know, England have got a lot of good young potential. You know, there's a few a young a few young guys coming through for Ireland, you've got the Tomlinsons from Wales. So who knows, you know, how long they'll play for if they if will keep if they'll keep at it. If they can't get in Commonwealth Games, World Bowls, then you know, who knows what, what can happen to these guys. But they uh, keep our fingers crossed that there's that there is going to be a, a third era, you know, I would love to see it. And I'm sure uh, Mr Bryant, I'm sure he will be looking down hoping that will be a, a you know a third era as well, a third uh, a third of lot of good players coming through but
1: from the lads in five. Right mate, as we've covered the, um, the Leeds, the Seconds, the Thirds and the Skips and we've done a little bit of the management team there's one subject that I thought I'd like to cover and that is the usefulness of trial games. Now me personally I think they're a waste of time, either county or international level. I would much prefer if they just pick the team and get on with it and if they needed to play a competitive game to play against a local club. When the trial teams are put out, you can pick the team. You, you know he's going to play and you know he's the crowd Fillers, shall we say and probably one of the best quotes i had off one of the recent in, indoor trials was well i'm just going down to carry both bag
0: another one of them age-old questions isn't it i mean we, we see it all the time where people will go to trials and they'll have great games and don't get their opportunity and, and you see a little bit of a bite after with the comments yeah. and me one thing i detested was you would turn up it would stand here at the start the start of the game before you'd started and all 48 or 50, including the reserve traveling reserves, which this is a blank piece of paper. Anybody has got a chance, and I just used to, I, I just used to and shake my head. It's, like, it's basically you're telling me that they, they weren't good. You know, let's I don't want to pick names, eh, but are they not going to pick Nicky Brett? Are they not going to pick Sam yeah. Cholchow? Are they not going to pick Andy Thompson? Yeah. So, yeah, it's never ever a blank piece of paper, regardless of how bad they play. so recently over recent years that was obviously picked up whether there's been feedback and and at the start it was a case of right let's get an understanding here you hear everybody has got the opportunity to show what you can do however we've won the series for the last four or five years it's going to be no surprise to you that there ain't going to be a great deal of changes however there are two or three spots and potential reserve spots that are available so so from that point of view, man, it's a hard one not to have a trial because you're always going to have argument for and argument against. The people who don't, if you didn't have one, people would say, well, how am I ever going to get the opportunity to show what I can do apart from in my local area? And then it only takes somebody in a local area to not get on with one of the selectors who decides not to put them forward and your international career just doesn't exist. So at least if you do get there and you seem to have performed well, sometimes England selectors will will spot you at national finals and insist that you turn up for the trial to have a look at so, uh, that side of things but then on the other side I, you know you can look at a trial team and a red team and a white team and you you can pretty much you can work out just by looking at it well they're definitely not too happy with the way they've performed over the last couple of seasons because yeah. they've, they've sneaked them into a, into a positive position in the in the white team which is technically the, the team to look at yeah. and then the red team might have a couple so you know you can look at it but I've got no doubt there will be people who have gone to trials and whether they they've absolutely performed at the top of the train not got in the first year they've potentially opened some eyes and the following year they've had a real good look at them and maybe got them in there as a reserve spot and I could, I could probably go back to the year I got in it took, took me a while to get from the under 25 team into the senior team four or five years I, I think it was and when I did get into the team I was picked as reserve and then managed to, to get in from that point all I'm going to say on it is I, I think there's arguments for and, and, and I certainly know there's arguments against say the comments all the time, but you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, yeah. because somebody would say, if you haven't got the opportunity, full stop, what can I do? And if you provide the opportunity, at least you've got a little bit of a chance to actually show that you can compete with the, you know, what are supposed to be yeah. the top echelons of the country.
1: If my memory serves me right, did Durham induct to a trial, and they marked the, the players' performances?
0: Well, wouldn't surprise us to be honest. Um, they, they gave them but, so
1: many for, per ball or something. If
2: it's... To be honest
0: with you, I think we're I think we're potentially going back to Big Norman's reign. Yeah, when that happened. Uh-huh. So whether that was something Norman would potentially looked at, because right. I think he was very keen on on that side of the the management side of things. But but again, <laughs> yeah, we say that you know at least at the international level, yeah, I've got some lads there who's marking balls. have Who have actually who have actually done something in the game.
2: Yeah,
0: but they no respect to some of the deris- <laughs> Select this you think you said I could I could roll it down my nose off me knee and boat it and probably still get closer than what you could. And then and then then mark you on a shot that you played and you think what am I gonna do, are you?
1: <laughs> Jimmy Bolt missed the chill the white for seven. Well, two. To be
0: honest with you, it always worked in my film because whoever marked for me, man, if I missed a dr- if I missed a drive by about four yards, then you always blame for the wick. So <laughs> I, I used to get full marks.
1: <laughs> well there was there's one little tear that I remembered. Speaking of trial teams, I think do well, what it was 94, 95. I went down with Jimmy Lambert for an indoor international trial down to Tainbridge, which is just round the corner for two Sunday nights. a little track for you. Yes, mate, and we went down uh, ten ends. They stopped the game as they used to do and make Still changes. Do. They made one change. They took Jimmy off. Now a lot of people don't know this. Jimmy's never said it. They they took Jimmy off. He was playing three for Davey Ward anyway. <laughs> so they they made the one change. They took Jimmy off. It was at, at the far end of the scoreboard and the lad walked down the green with his two balls in his hand. Only change. Now, the lad had played in seven series for England and to drag him off, I thought, was absolutely disgraceful by the then hierarchy, mate. And Jimmy's, Jimmy wasn't bothered when I when I spoke to him in the car. He says, oh, that's well, it's just one of them things. But, you know, when players do reach the end of the road at international level, surely... It costs nothing just to say thanks very much. Pat on the back. You've been a great servant. We're moving on.
0: Uh, to be honest, I didn't know that Merton. You know, there's the argument. There's the argument there as well. If the, if the I always think if the, if there weren't if Jimmy wasn't down there to look. Are potentially been in that team then why you play him with the skip that he played with for a lot of years but then at the same time you're telling me that a man who's been in a national series that can judge that he's not having a great time over 10 ends yeah. and that's yeah. this is the, this is the irritation for me as well i cannot stand this whole thing i mean now it's like you play 10 ends you stop you have 15 20 minutes on the sideline you go back on and you play the same rink you've been playing against for the first 10 ends why I, and, and and i know this the whole thing about this is to to let the selectors swap over and somebody else will come on to you and they'll compare the marks blower. So, that, so they need to do all that and they have the discussion about how, how somebody's played in that first 10 ends and do we need to change this do we need to change that you know Bulls you can and it's funny you know it's, it's a story about you this Richie and, and, and again uh, you just come back and I think you were playing possibly Grindon at the time and I always remember we obviously when I first started up there with my dad so now whether it was Teddy Hall or somebody like that I think you were you were playing a game of some sort and you were getting beat and you weren't having the best game in the world which was, which was easily done up at Grindon's Green to be fair but somebody said not not nastily you know that lad over there he's literally just won a British Isles title and he's coming in here later today and he'd be lucky if he won a two-ball handicap. <laughs> and and it, that's, that's our sport all over though. You can yeah. be a world champion one day and you can be... So how you can how you can assess somebody's ability over the course of a season, over 10 ends, yeah. and make a big decision like, nah, nah it's, it's not going to happen. Nah. Uh, it's, it's a tough one and this is where, this, this is where the trials... Well, like I said earlier, it's, it's, a, it's really tough for the selectors because they've got to be seen to do what they need to do to try and be as fair as they possibly can. but then the battling against a wall of people who turn around and say that's not really fair is it play against Nicky now Nicky could have an absolute stinker for 10 ends you ain't going to change him He could have a stinker for another 10 ends you ain't going to change him and I know for a fact that team will come up and he'll be skipping because he is he puts in 90% as as the British British Isles champion standard or world standard that he is like like we're talking about with yourself and only 10% of the time he will put a bad game you know a lot of that could be down to the frame of mind of some of those players going into that trial because not only are people going down there and thinking am I even going to get a chance Uh, but then you've got the players who know that they're already in Uh uh-huh And it's a day out, and I'm guilty of this, Richie. And I've I've even, and and I'll I'll openly admit I've apologised to Paul Hartley in the past because I've turned around to Paul sitting in the car with him on the way down to a trial and said, I could just really do without this today. Really, really do without this. And knowing that I had a, a strong chance of making the team, but I'm sitting next to a lad there who's going down there and battling his socks off every single year, doing really good balls and not getting the opportunity he deserves. My international career is probably over now. Not because I'm not playing anymore, it's just whoever listens to this podcast will never pick us. (laughs) Have you not had the
1: pat on the back? Thanks very much. (laughs) <laughs> if you haven't had the pat on the back thanks very much
0: well, I'm certain i got to get the pat on the back after this, tip, this conversation <laughs> <I don't. laughs> but hey look it's 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 opinion it's my opinion if, if I didn't get picked again because cause that's the opinion then I'm only saying what other people say. saying yeah. I, I'm, at the end of the day if anybody doesn't know now that I tend not to try and sit on the fence I, I, I give what it is if people like it great at the dinner then good luck you know, yeah. if we didn't have opinions then it would be a boring world and, yeah, and, and I always look at Exactly what you're saying there. I try to look at the fair side of those guys who's going, and women who are going down to the trial, who've probably got very little chance, and those who have, are up against it because they know they're in, but they've still got a performance in when they get out there. So.
1: A new international format, bookmakers and dancing girls are all put under the microscope. OK, I'm only kidding about the dancing girls. I've read somewhere, just going, just going on a completely different subject, um, that um, both Scotland women are putting a proposal forward f- to change the home international series to like a top ten event. Now, the three years of all played internationals and what have you. I'll, at the the times that I've managed to, to catch an international series, I've loved the team, watching the teams battle away over the twenty-one ends. If. The proposal went through for the women's and then it went through for the men. What would your feelings be? No,
2: Alex, you know, it's not to hear your views on it first. I know what mine are, but... I don't... I've never really heard about the ladies. I did hear about the men,
3: because we all got asked to put in a... There was a questionnaire about different events at different ends and whatever. And Yeah, you know, I don't mind the the 21 ends, but I do think they may be going a little bit too long, but, you know... I would I would mind something like about a fifteen end game, uh, but I wouldn't have a I wouldn't have a ten man team. I would still like, you know, because it's I think it's still great to give people the opportunity to, to get a cap for their country. And I, I would still go with the you know, the twenty four either twenty or twenty four people in a in a team but
2: cut the ends to maybe fifteen or eighteen ends. That would be I think my problem is that if you go to a ten person team you could end up with the same people for fifteen or twenty years. Yes. That's the problem I have. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to give the, the young players an opportunity to break in and to be seen playing against the greats of the game. And, and people have come to me and said, look, you know, when you first started, who were the greats? I said, well, these were. But if I hadn't been a 10 man team, I wouldn't have been on it. None of us would at the start. Yeah. You have to play your way in. And um, and, and that would be I, I don't think that would be right. What I might like to see is is something like maybe a hybrid of um of maybe playing two 10-end games or a 10-end and 11-end game for a crowd, you know, from crowd point of view, because Alex has had the opportunity, uh, as you have, David, to see the, the England and Scotland match. The place is buzzing. Like, I've been in, a, uh, in, in in stadiums where, especially indoors and even outdoors, it's like a football match. You know, they're baying at each other. They really are. They can't wait. And, of course, the boys are well tanked up as well. Of course, they've had a few bevies down their throat, maybe because it's the second game because Wales and And Ireland have fought out for the privilege of the wooden spoon. And and my God, we have won that wooden spoon a few times and tried very hard to get it. You know, so from my point of view, we're sitting there watching it. God, you'd love to be involved in a Scotland-England game. You know, because see when they're sitting there with the last couple of ends in that England-Scotland game, that's where you want to be that's where the players who love the sport want to be in that in that sort of situation where there's so many people watching the pressures on and that's when the best comes out and that's when the best show themselves the thing is if you had sort of England and Scotland playing for 10 a, or England uh, uh, Ireland, Wales spend for 10 ends, and then England, Scotland tend their first 10 ends. And then you bring the other guys back for 10 ends. Very short, very sharp, two hour matches, buying in there, get out of the blocks quick. Can't afford to rest on losing fives and sixes, thinking, oh, well, we can pick those back up again. No, no, you won't. But on the second half, you might. And of course, you can make adjustments to the team as well, and then bring them back in again. But I still think you have to stay that 2024. 20, It would be controversial to split the games but it would keep the crowd there and on their toes for everybody to enjoy it because, take my word for it, do you see that Saturday morning match at 9.30 in the morning with you know three or four people sitting there usually with blazers and badges and ties on who have done very well to get up and introduce things? There's not much of a crowd to play to and it's hard to get yourself up for it. And then the guys arrive and they see a tight wee game at the end and of course they're in the atmosphere then and all the rest and of course you don't have to get anybody up England or Scotland let's be truthful about it you know if if you're Scottish and English and you can't get motivated for that match or something wrong with you you've probably you no know, got no pulse and you're dead but the reality is that see that game that game is just fantastic and we all want to experience that but you're never going to do it when you play that 21 ends over four and a half hours because the crowd need a break as well
0: I've got to agree on both points there personally I, I genuinely think that losing losing that 24 man game is going to be a woman game is a massive detriment to the sport starters, there is no where does the incentive go we talk about needing Alex and Paul to retire from a five man squad you're going to need 13-14 to retire from a 15 man or 10 man squad whatever it is to get some of those fringe players in and you know so many good young players we're always trying to bang the drum about it's not you know there's a we've got a, a big younger element of the sport personally I agree with Alex I think 15 ends would be great I think it's it would be shorter it would be sharper but I think the, the, the over overlying factor of the whole thing is I think the biggest impetus has got to come from those organising the events in the first place because there is room in our calendar for everything. There is room for a 10-man series, there is room for a 24-man series. You know, there's still a market there for five-day test cricket where people will sit there for three to five days watching extremely slow cricket, yet there's also a massive market for people to go and watch the 2020 cricket. So for me, I think there's a we we need to promote, we need to market the sport a lot better. I agree with you, David, where you're walking at half Last nine in the morning. what I've always said, why? Why are we why are we walking onto our anthems in front of two manny's dog on the side who don't really care? They just want to, you know, they just want to watch a few balls. It's a great thing for the player. It's Nice to walk out your own anthem, but you know, is it is it really necessary now? Can they not do something a little bit more lively with regards to music, with regards to projections onto the walls, showing all of the players from the different countries with the names on there? I know it's all cost and I know it's all things, but there's got to be something different that each organisation within the British Isles has got to come together and say, what can we do to market this better for those who are watching? Not for the guys who are playing or the women who are playing. They will fight and they will battle and they will try to get into their national teams regardless of the situation. Whatever format it is, however However, we, I, th- I think there's a massive responsibility for the promotion of the sport to do a little bit more for those sitting on the sidelines. And sorry for, for all, people might be a little bit, you know, we don't need it in the sport, but what would be wrong with like the crown grain balls where they're betting on every ball? What's going to happen with the next ball? Having, having a a bookmaker there who's given people a little bit of an impetus to watch the match because that next ball might be the difference between winning 10 pounds. Not And I know it's not the answer to everything, but there is, you know, there is a massive market for people out there now who love to have a little bit of a, a flutter on a football coupon. Or why could you not have a coupon on there saying who's going to be the top scoring rink, you know, for the England team or for the Scotland team? Give people that as well as let's, you know, this whole thing about not being able to take a pint into the crowd and have a drink during the you know, We've got to do something different. If it's a case of protecting the green, then we do something different to protect the green but darts is you know we, we talk about darts a lot it is it's is—it's—it's no longer just a sport of people going to watch a game of darts it is a night out with friends having food having a drink, having a bet on the match is it going to finish 6-2, is it going to finish whatever it is and that's what creates the atmosphere and I just think there's so much more that the organisations need to do to promote our sport in a better light and and that, that for me can only encourage more and more people to not only start to play the sport but actually come and follow and start to understand that Alex in this era is the best player who has picked a ball up in this era. We we shouldn't be having 30 and 40 year old people remembering David and Tony back in the eight. They should be talking about the here and now as they're doing the darts. Your rights and your you know your, your snake bites and your Phil Taylor's and your Van Gerwens. You mentioned darts, and they are the players that they talk about. But it doesn't happen in our sport. And I hope that came across right. But I just I just feel as if the sport is in a great place. We, we have a great sport which is massively addictive, but unfortunately we don't have the foresight to be able to take it to the next level, especially in the British Isles. The
2: thing is, believe it or not, David, before you came into the game, we were
0: doing all of. Well, this was something I was going to come back to you there, because what's gone so wrong where you had professional bowlers when you were playing, David, and now we haven't? You know, we're in a time now where professional bowlers should be potentially so much easier to be able to, you know, provide a living because of everything that can go around it. You've only got to stick a, you know, a pair of glasses on Alex, which has got a, a branded name on. and <laughs> It should sell itself. You know, <laughs> that's just you you it's a silly example to use, but he is the top of his sport. So with social media, with advertisement, with everything that's going around now, surely it is better now than it was when we only had five channels on a TV back in the 70s and 80s. It's
2: not better now. That's the problem. You know, one of the the finals I played had four million people watching because we had limited channels and the whole world was moved on. I appreciate that. But, Getting back for a moment again to what you were talking about the betting. When we were in Preston playing uh, at the Guildhall, there was the venue, but underneath the venue, Alex, you would probably remember this just about, maybe. Um, I don't know uh, what what your time was in in Preston, but underneath that was a bar and a betting area and a big screen. And if you went down there, there were dozens of people standing around drinking and putting bets on and watching the screen. Um, If you went to various other events, the bookies were actually there. Ladbrokes had their own area again with a big screen, and people were coming in and betting and various other things like that. So we've had that. We had it at Potters for a short period. Yeah. Then I think uh, from my memory, it was taken away. Because
3: yeah, they lost, lot. yeah, they lost money, they lost yeah. a bit of money, yeah.
2: Yeah, because the guys are too darn clever, and they weren't getting the right people's advice. You see, that you know we've had that, and then the days, of course, of all the big sponsors like Embassy, Bristol, and West you know, Midland Bank, uh, various other people that were coming through the sport. We were going out to events every month and that was where the difference was. But there was betting on them as well. But it wasn't online, you see. Now it's all gone online, so the the world has moved on. But we would like to see an on-site, almost like a tote thing on-site that wouldn't work. I, I think it would work whether it would get the support that it needed well I, I honestly don't know certain venues yes certain venues wouldn't Copebridge it would you know the days of Cote bridge you walked in you couldn't see anything above seven feet because it was all smoke it was just a fog of smoke and then you looked down the sides and all the guys were there with their pints and their and their whiskey chasers in the other hand you know and they were fagging away and all the rest but the atmosphere was unbelievable it was a crazy atmosphere yeah. but it was Incredibly unhealthy. You know, you couldn't breathe. You really just uh, any more than three or four hours in that place, and we're taken into hospital, and putting you on a ventilator. You know, but but it had a lot to be said for it. At the time. So there's very little that we we can do to it hasn't been tried or done before you mentioned about the movement the biggest problem happened in 1989 we went from major TV events 12 days UK singles of TV big money world event again two weeks TV every single day to the UK's being played in Carlisle Bowling Club two years Carlisle were the only one put their hands up first prize £500 ranking points yes and you paid all your own expenses why because we lost um, we lost the opportunity for moving forward with the likes of embassy because we didn't have the professional people in at the time we were competing with um, snooker and darts very very comfortably Uh, in money terms not just as much but close in terms of ours on TV very much so but we didn't have the people that we needed Alex Hearns of of this world who to come in or sorry Barry Herndon of this world to come in and do that um, at that time by the time Barry got involved and he did for four years Alex was there for four years Alex got involved or Barry got involved and, and the top eight players played in a very good event but he couldn't make it work the numbers keep, people say to me all the time what about match room and what about this and I say well they give it four years that's a pretty good punt four years But the problem the
3: problem with the with the Premier League for David is that they showed it at a later date yeah And people knew the results before they were watching it, so that's the reason why it did not get the numbers. Mm -hmm. If that was to be shown live from Cyprus... I'm sure that would have still been on right
2: now. Yeah, and, and it probably should have been. It probably should have been. I think the numbers stood up reasonably well, Alex. It was that wasn't so much the issue. It was the sponsorship was the problem. Um but big numbers dictate sponsorship. You're right. Yeah. You know, if those big numbers had a stayed and during the week, but you could say that about our goals at Potter as well. It's shown in the afternoon. You know, if we were to show that live seven o'clock or yeah. half past seven evening matches live on BBC yeah. Two, some of those matches are stunning. Yeah. They're fantastic. And and we cover them, so there's no reason why not. If we can get them in the schedule, our numbers and our, our demographic would change completely as well on the viewing figures. Our demographic would suddenly go from the, the retiree plus 55, 60 demographic to much, much lower if it was shown at half past seven. And uh, and we all know that, but we're at the behest of, well, let's just say, other other people that want different things on at 7.30 in the evening, uh, midweek, you know, and that's fair enough. Nothing we can do it, about that. But
3: you know, you, you do you do switch your TV on it. You know, the bowls finishes about half past five, sometimes six o'clock, and you see... Programs coming on at seven thought You wonder
2: why the hell did they not keep the bowling on? I don't know what programs they were, but the programs were terrible. And and I, 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 absolutely, you know, the thing that gets me more than anything else is that we were covering it live sport, we were live covering it, yeah, you know, for, for BBC streaming and yeah. WBT streaming, we were covering it and also for highlights, so it was on red button. But the reality is. BBC Two, half past seven, the numbers would have went through the roof. And once yeah. numbers go start going through the roof for an evening game, sponsors start to think very carefully about what they're going to get back as their return on investment. And yeah. their return yeah. on investment isn't just the afternoon, it's the evening time. And you're getting punters in there. Having said that, who's got the most disposable income at this moment in time? In, in, uh, well, not so much now, I suppose, but, but well, well, probably now too. People with the most disposable income are the plus 55, plus 60s. Because everybody else is still trying to bring families up or pay... Or work, get their businesses going, or pay yeah. mortgages, houses, cars, whatever. There's a massive people. There's a massive group there, which is growing exponentially every single year on that retiree market. And and the politicians know it because my goodness me, they've targeted it many many times. And really, that's that's the market we should be aiming for, and aiming hard for that market because um, that's where the money is. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, that's that, that's where they go out and spend <laughs> buying a new car. Most of the refs can't have, can't afford to buy a new car. When you're, when you're working and, and families and all the rest and business commitments and everything else, these people here, they're coming out of it with their, a lot of them with a pension and maybe a lump sum, some yes, some no. Where are they going to do it? Well, I think I mean, that's going on a nice holiday or buying a car. That's why Alex puts a Bentley away, you see. He's keeping his Bentley until he retires. Bentley? So. <laughs>
3: you know what, for what I've done in the sport, you know, I'm not a big-headed person, but for what I've done in the sport, you know I really should not have to work, to be fair. Mean, be. It's what, what, what David's saying. All the darts guys, you know, they're playing three, four, five days a week. And, you know, I've I've put, what, 40, 45 years of my life into the sport that I love. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I've had a lot out of it. Uh, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I should be... Further on than what it should be, to be be fair, like sponsorships and stuff like that. But the sport just does not, we should be getting more than what we should be getting. Yeah, I totally agree with what David says, regards to, you know, we've got to try and jazz it up a little bit. I know it's hard to get sponsorship, try to get money coming in purely because, you know, I've been out there and seen it in Oz, and I I did say to Richard Madison going back a few years ago, even just try it at one event. Corporate hospitality, I know they tried a little bit of perf, it didn't work. Bit of background music, Get, get the lights and get the youngsters in and just try and jazz it up a little bit and just see where we go you know just for one event you know I'm sure the WET or whoever it may be can get a few companies together a few sponsors and put this on You know Get a, a venue Locally It's going to Everybody And uh, just have a go And just try and set it up And let's have a crack at it
2: I, I, I totally agree with you I think it could be done Because it was Again An awful lot of the jazz and, and, and razzmatazz And entertainment Went on In the Super Bowl Back in the day In the 80s Because they created An atmosphere Where the crowd Was just a a metre away from you. And not only a metre away from him, by God, they were telling you if you weren't playing well. You know, they were they were saying, get them up, lad. Come on, I've got a fiver on you. <laughs> you know, and they were letting you know because that's the nature of that Manchester crowd. They just let you know and we need that. And we need, you're right, I've played with music going before, uh, with concerts in the background from within a venue. So, yes, we can. There's no reason why we shouldn't be doing there. I, I'm a total believer in that. And we should have a bit more of excitement about it. But again, afternoons needs to be done in the evenings, has to be done in the evenings. Must be, bowls must go on in the evenings for, for TV to show it. Um, because let's be truthful about it. People say to me about, about putters and, and look at the age group. Well, in the middle of winter, right in the middle of winter, Monday to Friday, who's going to be there? People are working. People have got families. People have got commitments. It's the retiree side. And they're there enjoying their bowls and they're supporting it. And we should be thankful for it because it's important they create that atmosphere. So whenever I hear that criticism, I say, look, hold on a wee minute. Just back off. You go to any bowling club, doesn't matter what it is, and you look in the afternoon. And what do you see Of course you see retired people That's the way it works And every time we're shown on TV What do you see And a wee snippet Oh we'll just go down to the bowling club and, and get the octogenarians out You know If you go down on a Saturday afternoon And look at any top level Premier League In any of the four countries Who are you going to see out there The top players in the top clubs And I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of young players out there making a lot of- So that's the game at that level. But we have to be very careful not to criticise too much about our viewing audience.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I agree totally, Dave, and I've said that in the past at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's not many tournaments where we see as many spectators as what we do down at Potter's. So, and I've always said that at the end of the day, it's, it's bums on seats and it, it is people watching and I, I don't know what the capacity is at Potter's, but, you know, it's very rare there are empty seats in there. So I totally agree. I just think, like like we said before, I think there just needs to be a little bit of a pilot tournament ran over two days on a weekend. Bit like I, I think it was the champion of champions, or something I can't remember which snooker tournament it was, but literally the snooker table was surrounded by advertising boards and everybody was standing having a pint. I think there was a very similar to the Premier League, there was a thing where you could double your points on one of the snooker shots that was played, etc., which then boosted the. But it was just, it was, you know, it was enclosed, like you've just said. There's people over the top of you. You could have that round degree, round a portable rink and play something over a weekend with music, with an on site bootmaker, with alcohol, just make a bit of a party atmosphere and just pilot something like that. If it doesn't work, it's never going to work. So, you know, you, you try it. If it doesn't happen, then we've got to draw the line and say, well, you can complain all you want. However, the people who are going to come and support the sport are the ones that we see down at Potters year in, year out. So if we're providing something and you're not prepared to back it, then that's, you know, that's where we've got to draw the line. But um, like I say, I I just think there's there's room for something. And and just going back to Richie's thing, I just think certainly from an international point of view, there is masses of time in the calendar to have three or four different varieties of an international standard tournament. Top 10, top 6, top 24, top 15, whatever it may be, and do something a bit different with all of them. Um Australia but, do
2: it very well, David. They really do. You know, the one Alex plays in like they really do it very well. You know, it's uh but where's that all that money coming from, you know, and um well I mean
0: and, that I'm in the UBC advertising the fact that there's a million pounds worth of or well, a million dollars. I mean, Craigie, it's it's unheard of over here. In a million, you know, regardless of whether a million dollars over there is what, is it a third or half now, five hundred thousand? That is just ridiculous money for our sport. That should be looked at and you can only take your hat off to Mark Casey and his and his team and say how on earth have you managed to draw that in and the British Isles have got to look at that and say well hang on a second if they can do it then we have got to find a way of doing it ourselves may not be the same levels but we have got to have something that really really pressure of if I lose this game it is not just a case of me losing £500 because I've been knocked out in the third round of the Worlds yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lose £100,000 to... on the goal, yeah. yeah. and that is yeah. what creates atmosphere fear, that is what creates theatre because that is when you will see those bowlers who are the top notch bowlers and are those who are there and are basically, yes we all want to be world champion but what's the worst case scenario if I lose I will get X amount of yeah, money uh, you know. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way whatsoever but we have got to create that absolute fear on the mat of thinking to yourself, I miss with this ball, it is the difference between me providing £10,000 for your family
2: and, and you know it's the same with David of David Brown beat me in UK singles. But again, if you lost, you're losing a lot of money, thousands of pounds. You know, when you're going home, it's a long way home, and you've just lost an awful lot of money. But those were the days when you were trying to achieve professionalism and you accepted the good and the bad. Uh, it was good to get there. Yes, you lost a bit, but we still made a fair bit. You know, the, the problem is that, getting back to what Alex was saying, we never really moved ahead after that. You no, know, we didn't, not properly. The top 20 in our sport in the last 40 years should have been very, very comfortable financially. Very comfortable. Shouldn't have had to do other jobs. Look at the top players. You know, Nicky Brett runs a job. Alex has got his own company on the pressures there. Paul Foster's doing the same. Uh, Greg Harrell's working in cutters. You know, they've all got background jobs. And, and and that adds an awful lot of pressure on because you can't just concentrate on bowls. And that's what David Brandt managed to do. He managed to be able to, to, to put together a package that allowed him just to play bowls. But he was still a bowls and equipment supplier. A lot of people forget about that, but he was. It all went through with him as well. But also he had very good sponsorship and individual sponsorship from various, not just bowls, companies but other companies. And that was very important, like the Falcon pipes and stuff like that. That's why when he stopped smoking, he still had the pipe for very different, for for lots of reasons. That's his thing. So, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what you need, Alex. You need to get that pipe going. Get the there. pipe, get the pipe, and the cap on. And the slippers. Whenever you come off, so you can get your wee Gucci slippers on, you know. Uh, and
0: we put wrong bias podcast on the side. Exactly. we right? will
2: get it specially, specially, made up. We're sponsored by Gucci just for a you know, on the side of the Gucci slippers
3: and all you that. Know, if, if, if the World Championships go ahead in January, I'm, that's what I'll do. I'll get a pipe.
2: And I won't get a pipe. I'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a piece on you. I'll interview you, with the, and you can put the pipe in. It might be, it might be a different era, but nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And it's competition time. Thanks, as always, to Alex Marshall Sports. And the question for this week, there was an announcement during the week that the British Isles Women's Balls have reduced the international series teams from 24 down to how many? So all we need is the number that the teams will consist of in the future. And the prize you'll be playing for this week is an Amazon dot. So we're not doing the Alex Marshall Sports Voucher this week. It will be a nice Amazon dot. And some Wrong Bias merchandise. Answers can be sent via email on wrong.bias at hotmail.com. You can send it via a message on Facebook, via Twitter, or just drop us a comment on the competition post. Good luck, everybody.
1: As they used to say in the sound of music, so long, farewell.
0: It's been fantastic it's been it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's gone on. I don't know how long, how long it's been. An hour and a half we've managed to talk. Yeah. So. I'm,
2: I'm sure Corky's still got another hour in him yet. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> I'll be honest, Alex. I don't want this to stop because I'm actually really enjoying it. You know, I'm really enjoying it. the fact that we're mixing it in here. We're talking about all sorts of things, including the great man. And and, and I just love it. I really do. This is what we miss in gold. And in many ways, this is what we have missed this year because we haven't been able to go down to the club and have these conversations movies. yeah yeah you know I, I i was at something um the other day and uh, i stood with about five other guys and we just bantered for two hours i was on a pint of guinness banter for two hours and i came back home and said you know what that's what you miss and we've missed it this year and that's why something like this is brilliant and i went we don't get a chance Alex, i like saying never really get a chance to talk really because you are always busy you know yeah. that's what he's winning i'm talking you know some, there's no. something going on there, so there is, you know. But, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't believe that you would be speaking. <laughs> you see, the grief I get, lads, honestly. Oh, you wouldn't believe the grief I get. You know? no, it's, all <laughs> good. It's, it's, it's all good. This is what we need. We need things like this because, um, you know, like ultimately it's a sport, but as I said, we all love it, yeah. And it, it keeps,
0: is. Us going, keeps us in the right frame of mind as well. Yeah. You're right. You're right, indeed. Well, it's been an absolute tremendous conversation. I, I really have enjoyed, like I say, that hour and flown over. And it, thanks both of you for coming on. It, it has been great. And it's this is exactly why we love doing it, because it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's great to, to listen to stories and history and the nail on the head. That's exactly why we play played and, uh, and why you'll never ever replace... The memories and the friends that you make in the sport I think it's it's the biggest thing that that comes out of bubbles but um thanks very much uh, richie did like I said did you have anything else you wanted to add or... No
1: it's just been a pleasure to listen to you lads absolute pleasure
0: and I'm no doubt like I say if you're happy to do so we would love to have you on again um yeah. so...
2: if Alex retires I'll come on and tell stories about Alex <laughs> <laughs> you know what the, the time I, I retire you you might not be here <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be sitting somewhere watching balls, and I used to know that bloke, you know. We'll We'd be speaking about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, when when you're
1: not here, Davey, at least the balls club will have
2: your money. <laughs> oh, Richie, honestly, I don't want to hear this. I really, I really, <laughs> that. I must say I really don't. You know. Oh, thanks, right, no, guys. No. It's, it's been absolute class. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very it's much. Been great, great stuff. Thanks, thanks doctor, again, guys. My thanks, great Alex. Thanks, Thank
1: you. Take care
3: Okay, guys, all the best.
1: Right, here we are, mate. End of another one. Show 23. Another and show. Yes, it, David has stopped talking. David Corkill, that is. Gained some cracking tales from him and Alex. Some great opinions on stuff that came out. I just love Boiler Gate. Gr- great chat, mate, wasn't it? It was,
0: yeah. Yeah, and um love his passion. I love his the stories he's got. And, you know, what was really nice was I got a, I got a couple of comments and messages from people who listened to the, the David Bryant dedicated show and just said exactly the same. One guy actually turned on and said, I would love to just have half an hour sitting at the bar with David and having a chat about you know he's got so he's got some great stories. Alex um is spot on as well. He, like I see he's he's great for us and it's great to be a associate with Alex on the podcast. Yeah. A couple of times we've done the podcast he's have phone up after and he he always says I just love it, you know. He says, I just love the fact that, <laughs> Never he guessed. says, I'm just sit and have a chat, and he says, I couldn't believe it when I looked at the clock, and it was an hour and a half later, and he says just flies over, and he says, that for me is what makes a, you know, a good opportunity to, yeah. to have a chat yeah. about things.
1: Anyway, part of the chat, the lads gave their opinions on proposal from Ball Scotland Indoors the women's side, to change the international series to a top 10 event. Well, we must have had our mystic meg eyes on, and plans have been laid, and it's been changed to a top 10
0: minutes? It has. Uh, have we got another 40 minutes? <laughs> uh, I said it when we were chatting with, with David and I, and, I, and I stick by it and to be honest with you, it's really riled us. I don't know why but it has. It's, it's riled us. I said last week I thought it would be at the detriment of the sport to do it for, for that level you know, of the sport yeah. um, and the more I've looked at it, and the more I've tried to look at the positives, uh, the, the negatives for me far outweigh it and do not genuinely see, and I hope I'm proved wrong on this, but I do not genuinely see how it is going to help the struggling nations yeah. who Potentially have struggled in the, in the 24 series because, you know, they rely on some of these, you, you know, the, the girls on the outskirts who are, let's split the 24 into two 12s. The, you know, you're going to have potentially 12 top class players yeah. who might be battling for elite honours. You're going to have 12 who are going to learn and gain experience from them. And losing isn't a bad thing. And, and you know, it's, it's not nice to see the results coming through all of the time. From an individual point of view, losing is not a bad thing for some of those. You know, no. like, we've got Ireland, we've got Jersey, we've got Wales, who generally really struggle in that series. It's not the worst thing in the world, the fact that they, they might get beaten three times, because in those games, there will be some shining lights of teams or rinks that beat some of your established England and Scotland rinks, and those girls will take so much from that, and, and that's the potential next step for them. If they if they learn that they may get beat, but they're getting closer and they're, they're battling a bit more, and each series they're learning a lot, lot more, you know, it's. I just think it's a real, real shame that not only straight away, I mean, let Let's just, let's just go straight to the basics. We're, we're going down to 10. And we talked last week, and I do believe you can put two entries in. Is that right? Yeah, and in a B. Is it is it maximum two entries? I, I don't know. Be I don't in.
1: know. they never said. I mean, to be honest, it would be daft if they went A, B, C, because then they're putting 30 in. And if they're exactly. with 24...
0: Which is against what they're obviously trying to do this for in the first place. So so we're at the basics here. So let's say we're, we're going in with 10 here. And a couple of countries decide to put 20 in because they're able to do so. So not only are you losing 14 players, which is technically three and a half rings of A country who isn't able to maybe put two 20, teams yeah. in. If they can put two teams in, I really, really start to more question why Five. it needs to go down to ten, because you're telling me another four players is going to make a dramatic difference. On top of that is, my thoughts are, you've got an A, a team and a B team. Is the A team going to be the England first team and the B team going to be the England second team and the Scotland first? Yeah. Team? And then, do we get to a situation, let's just say England A are in contention of winning the series, and their last game, the way the Gone. They are up against England B. Scotland, however, are sitting in second place, whichever team that is. And they win their game, and let's say England A lose their game to B. Scotland win the series. Do the management turn around to B team and say, "You're out. He's up. Well, You know, is it yeah. going to happen? Yeah. Are they going to? Are they going to? Is there going to be somebody there for that B team who goes out and says, "You go out there and you try right. to put the team away." knowing one that the potentially lose the series to right. Scotland. It ain't going to happen. I don't care who it is, where it is. It ain't going to happen because ultimately, the name at the top of the series wants to be England or Scotland or however yeah. so I just think it's got so many detrimental and negative points to the situation and I would love being put in my place and told no we've, we've had discussions around the table and these discussions came to this yeah. and these are these are the reasons why we feel this will benefit international sport in the future if that's the case as we always say quite happily sit there and basically take it in the neck yeah. and say you're completely wrong dear. but the more I've looked at it the more I just genuinely feel it is nothing but a negative yeah. For international balls, and I, and I genuinely believe that the standard of the teams will actually go down because you're not going to get that you, you, your ball is coming through because yeah. what have they got to fight for? I think fighting, for 10, fighting for 10 places, and there's 14 when there's 14 potentially could have been. It's just, and I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are, Richie, but I, I, I'm, I'm sort of livid about it in a way, and I think it'll be a huge, huge out at the sport if they go down to top 10 for the men as well.
1: I kind of understand it because it can't kind of be beneficial for the for them to progress the players, can it really? I mean, you, you, yeah, they might be struggling to get 24, but now you're knocking it down to 10 and people's Opportunities just not going to be there for these smaller countries. You could understand if it was England or Scotland. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, we're sick of we're sick of gubbing them. Yeah, fair enough. Let's change the format. Not that that's going to change the format. Not that that's going to change the government like the smaller countries. I just cannot understand why why they supported it. And it cannot be a financial reason because you're still going to have to fork out the money. What would be farcical would be if England, Scotland, Wales all put in two teams. I mean, that would be just farcical, wouldn't it?
0: Be, I, I think so. And, and... Is it going to be better for spectators? You're not going to see anything different to what you would see down at your nationals? Mm or whatever it may be sorry but as I said in our discussion last week there is plenty of time in the calendar to do things like that yeah. we should have more individual Top tests ten. against we yeah. with a British Isles when you can drive to most countries within three hours you could do it in a day get your team together even if somebody's got to stop over one night whatever it may be how can it be that can it be that short yeah. pennies in the international balls market surely
1: well like I say mate we'll see how it plays out well there you go mate another one over so till the next time mate we hope you enjoy the show and watch what you do with me old mate
0: Well, do me. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening and hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been a dodgy production.